Hey everyone, it's Jenny, aka Kim Chica, aka the newest IG contributor. It's Friday, June 8th, and you are listening to another edition of IntelliGame Radio. I've mentioned to Josh that I'm still really in awe in the fact that he's invited me to participate and contribute in this way to the IG community as I have so much respect and love for what it's doing and the people in it. So I wanted to start this first IG radio of mine with a huge thank you and just message that I'm looking forward to doing my best for you guys and to be challenged and confronted with good discussion about the things we love. So yay! And speaking of the things we love, I was going to do a bit on a new indie game out called Moonlighter and work-life balance. But while I'm sure that'll have to happen at some point because that topic is pretty much always on my mind, I couldn't step away from what's been happening in a galaxy not so far away. In fact, a galaxy far too close. The events uh, surrounding this vocal part of the Star Wars fandom and its treatment of uh, one of the Last Jedi's lead actresses has come to my attention, and that is the topic for today's IG Radio. Now, to be 100% transparent, I'm actually not the biggest Star Wars fan. I mean, fan would even be kind of a stretch of the word for me. I've seen most of the movies, I know the basic lore, and that's pretty much it, <laughs> but I do know many Star Wars fans, and I recognize the huge role this has in our pop culture. And honestly, when this broke into the news cycle of the day, I couldn't let it go because the implications went beyond Star Wars fandom to me. To sum up what happened, this past Monday, a Twitter account called Star Wars Facts had tweeted out that Kelly Marie Tran who was the first woman of color to land a leading role in this franchise, had deleted all of her posts off of Instagram. Now, there wasn't a confirmation specifically as to why, but many believe that it was the result of months of harassment and trolling and just horrible things received due to her character in The Last Jedi. Uh, You can look online for further details on this, but be warned, it's not pretty just racist, misogynistic, and just plain cruel. Uh, These really sum up the comments that have been screenshot and shared online and showcase really just a small fraction, I'm sure, of what she has experienced. Now, the group who's targeting Kelly, the woman who plays uh, this character, I think Rose in the movie, they're not fans in my book. There's no excuse. Uh... Instead of a fandom, that's just an excuse to be a horrible human being to someone who isn't even a decision maker for the narrative. As if you read about this, many of them say that they're really protesting the character, not the person, which isn't the case. But I digress. While we could talk about this specific event, what's happening with Kelly, I feel like it's a little bit more productive and a little bit more... um, far-reaching to ask 
something a bit broader. How does this happen? How can a fandom, or even even a portion of a fandom, get to the point of such ownership over a brand or franchise that they rise to this level of vitriol? And this is a big question. I mean, particularly as IG is so community-focused, though, I thought, why not explore not only the ways we can positively influence community, but on the flip side, how can a community evolve to do this to someone who ostensibly is another fan of their own fandom? So I guess I need to backtrack a little bit. Um, Perhaps this is a rose-colored lens of sorts, but I don't remember fandoms getting to this degree when I was younger. Um, If there was dissent... It was usually among friends, and usually after a few words, it kind of, we were able to work past it or agree to disagree. And currently, the accessibility and the speed of of the internet and social media isn't doing anyone any favors. I mean, yes, of course, there's that caveat we all say, right? The social media and the internet has done wonderful things and it's really great in some ways, and it really has changed the world for the better in many ways, but particularly with fandoms, with groups of people who do need to, for whatever reason, share their opinions, um, the internet and social media has not only provided an outlet for them to do so, but in many ways has validated their beliefs that they don't just have a right to have an opinion, but they have the obligation to shout it from the rooftops and to make sure to repost it in all caps if they didn't think anyone heard and maybe tag a few others just in case. And add that to the fact that we exist in these organized social bubbles of our own making online and we're reinforcing our own opinions and most likely actively avoiding anything that causes us to question our own action and words, it's kind of a recipe for, I don't know, it's a recipe for closed-mindedness on all fronts. And here's the thing, I try to be aware of the fact that I'm guilty of that too. I actively block people on Facebook and Twitter. Um, My goal this year, though, has been to work on trying to at least read or expose myself to differing opinions. And trying not to assume the worst. And it has been challenging. Um, But on the flip side, it's been very valuable. But perhaps that's for another IG radio. Uh, Again, as this is my first time doing this, I'm trying not to ramble too much. But back to fandoms. Anyone who's participated in any sort of nerd community knows the power of fandoms. I mean, to be a fan of something, we are we are playing on the word fanatic. I mean, we, f- as fans, can revive shows. We create phenomenons through word of mouth. I mean, we are just as much of a superhero, or we have superpowers, the very least, as some of the characters that we love. And, I mean, I remember... As I used to teach middle school, uh, as much as I hated these novels, um, the Twilight series and the subsequent 
famous fan fiction Fifty Shades of Grey are prime example of the power that fandoms can have. I remember talking with my middle school students about how much they loved Twilight and how they began writing fan fiction because they were so inspired by Twilight. And of course, if you don't know about Fifty Shades of Grey, um, well, in my opinion, you might be okay. <laughs> you might be better off for it. But uh, anyone who was a reader around that time knows that it was a cultural phenomenon, and it was a fan fiction based on Twilight. So fandoms, not only are they powerful because of the love the community has for the brand or for the particular world, but they're strong because fans personally identify with that world and its characters. I mean, another example is Harry Potter. If anyone asks, I will tell you I'm a Hufflepuff, and in some small way, because I personally hold Hufflepuff as a part of my identity, not only does that signify to me some of the values that I particularly hold dear, but it signifies to other members of the fandom or people who know about that fandom a little bit about me. It signals the values I hold dear, as I said before, and allows us ways, structured ways to construct and solidify our identities within a group. Fandoms also provide us with a sense of, of ownership um, and, and taken to the extreme entitlement. Um, Kickstarter, as I was thinking about today, is a great example of this. I was funding a campaign and as I was looking through this particular campaign and, and a couple of the others currently running, you can see that for a range of tiered fees, you can actually invest into the development of your next favorite game. Um, not just through monetary funding, but you can begin to influence that development by voting for characters and contributing dialogue and getting your name in the credits. Um, in some extreme examples, you can design a character that when you play, you later can find in the game itself. So Kickstarter and, and other crowdfunding opportunities not only allow fans to gain that sense of ownership in a more emotional way, but tangibly as well. And so this is all well and good um, when fans enjoy the direction that their brand is going. But as we can see with the latest Star Wars, when things start to turn, they have the possibility of taking a real dive, depending on the fan base. And there are so many factors here to explore with the Star Wars community. In addition to that, the internet, the social media, has provided fans a place to organize and vocalize their complaints um, and, and their compliments. But right now we're focusing on the complaints. Um, but in addition to making a splash on the internet, um, these fans and any fan who has found themselves enraged over changes in their fandom probably have a lot of time invested in the franchise. Um, many of them, if you look on Twitter, discuss how this is their childhood that has been affected. Um, they've invested money as well, so not only is their time invested, but monetarily they've put in you know 
however much to spend on merch, on going to events, on going to see these movies. And because they, and perhaps because they don't trust the new directors and the new creators of the Star Wars canon, um, this is maybe where that greatest dissent starts to form. I think with that word new. Because if you've spent a good chunk of your life attributing specific values, certain components of your identity to a fandom and it starts to change, that can get unnerving. In the case of Star Wars and for that vocal portion of its fan base, it's become unhealthy. I mean, I haven't done a study on this by any means, but I wonder if new or change in general is what makes these portions of the communities toxic. Those who are spouting this kind of racist, misogynistic spiel on the internet, they're already in a time where they're more and more openly confronted with the fact that the real world that they thought they knew is changing. New to them is bad. And so when that change bleeds into their safe fandom or what they believe is their safe fandom i can see how that threat or that feeling of threat may cause them to act out in this way of course it's not right but i wonder if in seeing where fans can go rogue where fans can start to um diverge in this toxic and negative way, we could potentially find ways to redirect this sentiment. And and this is where I'm going to leave the conversation and and I guess these questions to you, IG listeners. How can we, and again, kind of the royal we is, I'm specifically not a Star Wars fan, but as a person in a couple of fandoms, how can we make sure fandoms don't devolve into something that's so vocal and toxic? How can we foster community that embraces change or is at least okay with diverging opinions of canon, um, understanding that perhaps, perhaps there are multiple canons depending on medium or just being okay to disagree? Um, so those are those are some questions I'll leave to you. No major answers, but I think in exploring these, hopefully we can we can find ways not only to identify what's going on with negative components of community, but further celebrate what's going well in communities too. So that's it for my first IG radio. I have been your host, Jenny Windham. Whew. Yeah, that was my first time monologuing, and I do have to say it was easier in some ways, harder than harder in others, but I would love to keep this conversation going. So please don't hesitate to find me directly on Twitter or Facebook at Kimchika25. That's K-I-M-C-H-I-C-A 25, or through the IG channels. You can leave a voice message if you're listening in on Anchor, comment if you're listening in on any other podcasting um, app, or drop a line in our Discord or during our community live streams on Thursdays. So until next time, I hope you guys have a wonderful day, and I hope you guys keep IntelliGaming.